Welcome to the C3 Oxford Falls podcast. For more information about our church, please visit myc3church.net. Wherever you are listening from right now, get ready to receive as God has a word just for you. I got to tell you, I'm so thrilled to let you know Pilgrims, our newest C3 music album is already here. The songs on this album are for our journey in Jesus. No matter where we are on that journey, in the valley or on the mountaintop, His love is unchanging and so should our praise and worship be. Cannot wait for you to hear it. Head to iTunes or Google Play to download it today. Fabulous, let's pray. It's lovely to see you Sunday morning. Look at you guys. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for your peace and your presence and your patience with us. We don't always have a cracking week, but we can come to the house of God and you can crack us open and and do something amazing on the inside of us. There's something so powerful about just showing up. I think the devil hates me because I just keep showing up. It's like, dude, really? You're still going? Yeah. Yeah. Even after that week? Yeah. God, I thank You and we just, just where you are, just turn your hands to heaven. Lift your palms to heaven. Feel the presence of God. Take a breath. Breathe in some maternity. (laughs) Don't stop trying and just breathe in the presence of God. We love You. We praise You. We thank You for this morning. In Jesus' Name. Amen. All right, let's get preaching. You, you, you. You can have a seat. Oh, you were anyway. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Thanks. <Sarah. laughs> the message this morning is called Born to Run. But, huh? Yeah? Could be a song. Nah, it'll never work. Turn to the person next to you and say, baby, you were born to run. Go on, do it, do it. You were, yeah, nice. Very Springsteen of you. Thank you. Born to Run. This message is a very famous Scripture in Philippians 3.13. It's about a guy called Paul who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And this guy, nothing could hold this guy back. Nothing. This guy was unblooming stoppable. Whenever he got knocked down, he got back up again and never got to keep this guy down. That could also be, nah, never work. This guy, you could put him in jail and it'd be fine. This guy, he could be stoned, he could be flogged, he could be whipped, he could be shipwrecked, and this guy would just brush it off and he'd say the same thing in Philippians 3. He'd say this, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. What an attitude that this guy had. And I've heard this preached a bunch of times in this particular Scripture here in Philippians 3. And, and I've heard a load of brilliant messages on it. And very often I've heard it said that Paul's talking about naughty things that he's done that he's trying to forget. And there's nothing wrong with forgetting naughty things. I know many of us have tried to do it ourselves. It's difficult. And I was reading this the other day and I saw something in it that I have never, ever seen before in my life. I love it when God shows you something new. You know what I mean? You read the Word of God and you go, man, I've been reading that for 20 years and I ain't never seen that. Now, I understand that this is Scripture more about works versus grace, but I saw something in here that I'd never, ever seen. So I was reading that. Forgetting what is behind, I press on. Forgetting what's behind, I press on. And I thought, you know what? I want to do something crazy and rewind the Bible a bit and find out what this guy is actually trying to forget. 
So I rewound it back to Philippians 3.3. And he says this. He says, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. He's fancying himself. I mean, I'm unbelievable. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. <laughs> I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Probably not something you normally put in a letter, but Paul's, <laughs> Paul's chosen to do it here. <laughs> it's like talking, talking to a guy at the pub. I can bench 100 kilos. I was circumcised when I was eight days. Anyway, an odd thing to mention, he's mentioned it. I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. It's amazing. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I mean, he is really talking himself here, but as he's writing it, I'm starting to see a picture on my mind of Paul's life as they believed that it was about five years old when kids would start to go to the synagogue and be educated and learn about Jewish law. And I can imagine at five years old, six years old, seven years old, going to the synagogue every day, but there was something on the inside of them that started to ignite about the law of the Lord that maybe other kids didn't quite get. And he's starting to get passionate about the Word of God. He's getting passionate about the law of God. He's getting passionate about, he's getting visions. And he's like, oh my gosh, I think I'm built for this. When I go to bed at night, I'm dreaming about being this incredible Pharisee. I'm just, I understand it. I get it. I'm on fire. So he's living his whole life dedicated to being a Pharisee. He gave his time to it. He gave his finances to it. He gave his whole life to it. And as far as he was concerned, he was doing the right thing by his family, the right thing by him and the right thing by God. And then it all changed. So I read all that, seeing all that in my head and thinking, hang on, forgetting what is behind and pressing on to what's ahead. You're not trying to forget something bad. You're trying to forget something that potentially was really good in your life. Paul, you're trying to forget what could have been in your life. So when I reread it again, I'm going, forgetting what could have been. Sheesh. I press on to what still could be. This is crazy. And I know some of you go, well, that's all right for Paul to keep writing that. He's in his 30s, planting churches, having a great time of life. He's right in the middle of his prime. He's actually not. He planted the church maybe in his 30s, but when he wrote this letter, they believe he was around 65 years old, rotting in a jail cell with no set time of his release, still writing, forgetting what could have been. I press on to what still could be. Large piece of paper. Let me read this. I love this quote. The reason people find it so hard to be happy is that they always see the past better than it was, the present worse than it is, and the future less resolved than it shall be. It's like we've got this measure of faith on the inside of us, this chunk of faith, and faith's an amazing thing. Pastor Bill is and, and it's like it's alive. The Word of God put it there. It's a seed coming to life. And it's like we've got to put it somewhere and we want to put it in our future. We want to put it in the right now. But it's just so much easier to chuck it in our past 
because it takes zero courage to put their faith in our past. So we tend to start living life in what could have been. And now you've put so much faith in your past in what could have been. Your past is humongous compared to anything that God could possibly do in your future. So now you just constantly, whenever God starts to speak to you about something today, about stepping out on something today, you think, yeah, I would, but remember what could have been. Oh my gosh, it could have been amazing, God, if I'd have lived my life more disciplined, if I'd have just read the Word of God more, if I'd just sought You more, if I'd shown up in the house of God more, if I had given that $200 300 years ago when You told me to, God, that's the reason things haven't worked out now and we'd be so prosperous now. What could have been? There's this amazing bit of Scripture here with um, Lazarus. I love this. This is crazy. We call it the the resurrection of Lazarus, but it was kind of like the resurrection of Martha. So Martha's in a situation where her brother Lazarus is sick and he's been sick for three days and he's dying. Things don't look good at all. And she does something that a lot of us do. She cries out to the Lord and she contacts Jesus and says, God, you gotta show up because I've got a situation in my life that is really, really bad and you need to be here and He doesn't show up at all. And I don't know if you've ever had a situation in your life where you've called out to God and go, no, no, serious, this is not normal prayer. I need You now, God. And He doesn't show up. Three days later, He does. Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet Him, but Mary stayed at home. Maybe she was even more angry than Martha was. And Martha says, well, pretty much all of us would say, she's so honest. I love to see the human side of this. And she says, Jesus, first thing she says, how's this? No chit chat, no warm old Lord, you're amazing, it's great. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Where were you, mate? That's basically what she's saying. Where were you? God, if you would have shown up when I cried out to you, see, she's got faith for the past, right? What could have been? God, if You would have shown up three days ago, then You would have done something and my life would be so much further on now than it actually is. You should have shown up those years back. And I love this. And then Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And I love this. And Martha answered, yeah, I know we'll rise again in the resurrection. You know, it's like, yeah, I know. Resurrection, you're talking about. It's like when you come into church and you're going through hell and God hasn't shown up and Pastor Phil says, all things work together for good. And you go, oh yeah, that old chestnut. All things, yeah, I know. In heaven, one day, everything's gonna work out. You know, it's just crazy. We put faith way, 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 way out there, which takes no courage at all to believe for anything. So she's got faith in the past. Faith in, yeah, sure, one day all things will work together for good. And this is amazing. She, she says this, she says, I know He will rise again in the resurrection. That word resurrection basically means to get up, to stand up, to rise up as if from a seat. You resurrect from a chair. That's basically what that word means. And as soon as she said that, I reckon Jesus jumped in on top of what she said. I know, I know, He'll rise up again in the resurrection. And Jesus jumped in right on top of her. And He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Today, I am it. I am the get up. I am the rise up in your life 
today. I love this Scripture. Isaiah 43 says this, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going. (laughs) Forget about what's happened. God is brutal, isn't He? Forget about, God, if you'd have shown up, God, if you... Forgetting what's behind, forgetting what could have been. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. <laughs> maybe it was me, maybe it was me, maybe it was God. Maybe there was some cosmic reason God didn't show them, oh, keep going. Don't keep going over old history. There's a reason for it. We'll get to it. Be alert. Be Wake up. This is God saying, wake up. Stop going over old history. You're replaying the past. Like you're gonna get an answer that's gonna solve everything. And you bloomin' won't. He's saying, wake up, be alert, be present, get here, be here. God, be present. Oi, oi. It's like God doing an oi and clicking His fingers next to your head. Be present. He said, I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out, it's bursting out. You keep showing up in the house of God. You keep reading the Word of God. You keep worshipping God. On the inside of you, you're thinking, is something gonna happen? Is something gonna happen? And God said, it's starting to burst out. It's starting to burst, it's it's bursting, it's bursting out of you. It's It's not out there, it's in here and it's starting to come out of you. You are constantly focused on something miles down the track that you believe God's gonna add to your life. And He's saying, I'm not gonna add it, I'm gonna bring it out. I'm not gonna add it, I'm gonna bring it out of you. Don't you see it? There's the Holy Ghost. Let me finish. Can I finish? It's gold, it's gold, it's good stuff. Don't you see it? We overlook the small things because we're looking for a huge magnitude. God has been telling you to get up at 6.30 every flipping morning and spend time with Him. And He's saying to you, don't you see it? Be present, don't you see it? I'm doing something. It's starting to burst out of you. Don't you see it? And we're like, can't see it, add it to my life. And He's going, no, I'm not gonna add it. I'm gonna bring it out. Just add it, I'm gonna bring it out. You know it's in there. It's been in there for years. I'm gonna bring it out of your life. And not only you will see it, others will start to see it. Don't you see it? There it is. My gosh. It's so, it's as obvious as the nose on your face. It's that obvious. Honestly, sometimes we need to take a step out of our lives and go, ask someone else who loves you and you love them to go, what is it? And they'll go, it's pretty darn obvious. It's that. It's happening. You see it falling out of your life. One of my biggest quotes I use with people all the time is work hard at what comes easy. And I'm not digressing, but it's falling out of your life and everyone can see it coming out. There we go. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. I'm making rivers in the badlands. God, rums. I was reading this two days ago in my lounge and I jumped up and started running around the lounge. Inactive wear. And I was, yeah, I was fully clothed, ready for it. I was reading the Word of God and I saw something in here I'd never, ever, ever seen before in my life. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. 
I'm making a way through the desert. That means road means way, there's a way. The picture in my head that I got was of a desert that used to have a road through it because you used to, when you first got saved, you used, there was a road, there was a way to your life. There was a way, you were going somewhere, you were doing some, something, you had vision, you had a heart on fire, you were going somewhere and doing something. But you think back about it and you think, oh, it was the vision I was going for, that was the only thing that inspired me. And it's like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. There was a way in your life. There was a way you did things. There was a hunger for the Word of God. There was a hunger for God's face. There was a way that your heart was so soft and you just wanted to run with God. That was the number one thing in your life. And you didn't care where. You bloomin' didn't care where. You just wanted to grab God's hand and bloomin' run. Taking God's hand was step one. Where? It didn't matter. You just wanted to run. That's all you wanted to do in your life. And God, show me this, because I'm reading this, because I always thought it was, I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? I'm making a road or a way through the desert. And I always used to say, God, is the way gonna lead me to the new thing? And He's like, read it again. I'm about to do a new thing. I'm making a way through the desert. Is the way through the desert gonna lead me to the new thing? The way is the new thing. I'm doing a new thing in your life. It's the way is I'm starting to create a way in your life again so we can run together. And, and, and so that's why you've been speaking to me at 6.30 in the morning to get up and spend those few minutes with your Lord. So that's why, God, you've been stirring in my heart again to seek your face. That's why you've been telling me to just get into the house of God and stand in your presence. So that's why you're creating a way in me again. You think He's gonna add, He's not gonna add. He's gonna burst out of you. Wow, that's cool. And I know some of you here this morning, you're thinking, yeah, what could have been? Forgetting what could have been, I press on. <laughs> yeah, I got some pretty serious what could have been, Jamie. And I don't know where God was and why He didn't show up. So that's why I keep on going over whole history. So I got some, you came to the right place, by the way. I got asked to speak at a women's conference a little while ago. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you. And I did, and it was, it was lovely. It was in uh, Rockingham in Perth. Hello, you guys, if you're listening. Um, and, uh, and the message, the, the whole theme of the conference was on about taking flight and taking off. And I, I was up at DY Headland, sitting in my car. That's where I go to pray. Don't go there. I just found out the Ancliffs go there. No, it was mine. No, it's yours as well. <laughs> Dang it. Nobody else go there. <laughs> no, you can. Yeah, just the right time. Anyway, so I was sitting in my car, rainy day, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, God, I need a scripture for this women's conference, something powerful. And I got onto Hebrews 12. And Hebrews 12 says this, let us cast aside every weight and run again. Let's cast aside every weight. Let's cast aside every weight and run the race before us. Let's cast aside every weight and run the race before us. And I start to look at it and I start to study it. And I'm going, let us cast aside the weight. Let us run the race before us. And I'm going, God, there's no formula. There's no instruction on how to run. You're just saying, cast aside every weight and run. So God, are you saying, for reason of the fact that you haven't given us any formula or any instruction on 
how to run. Are you saying that perhaps, just maybe, that running is actually our natural state and the only reason we're not running is that we're carrying something that we shouldn't be carrying? One reason. There is one thing I do. There's one thing I do, Paul said. There is one thing I'm constantly conscious of doing. So I'm looking at this thing, so cast aside every way, and I'm thinking, well, this, even my kids understand this. When I pick up my kids from, from Oxford Falls sometimes, they all go to Oxford Falls. Roxy's here, hello, pumpkin. And um, she's 13 now, pumpkin. Yeah, still be pumpkin, kind of. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> hear about that later. And sometimes we'll park, I'll park on the grass on this side and then I walk across the grass fields to pick up the kids. Now, normally the kids, when they go on those back grassy fields, it's normally full of other kids. So you don't have much space. But picking them up after school, there's no one on the grassy fields. And if you're a kid at that age and the field is free, oh my gosh, you wanna run and you wanna flip and you wanna jump and do cartwheels and all sorts of things. My kids don't actually come up to me and say, Dad, we would like to run on the field. And I say, I would also like you to run on that field. How shall we run, Father? You shall put one foot in front of the other and you shall pick up speed continuously and you shall run like the wind with your head thrown back and the wind through your hair and smile, reckless carelessness of life. They don't say that. Do you know what they say? We get up to the field and do you know what they do? They've got these super heavy bags. They go, take it, take it, take my bag, take it. Take it, take it, take it. It's gone. And they just drop it. <laughs> and they run. They, they know there's only one thing that's stopping them running. Ah, is that they're carrying something they shouldn't be carrying to let them run. Just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. So I'm reading the Scripture, let us cast aside every weight and run. And, and I'm getting into prayer now. I'm getting deep, deep into the holy place. And I'm saying, Lord, you know, because I want to be able to preach what I practice. So I want to make sure, Lord, that that I've got nothing that I'm holding on to that's weighing my life down. I want to make sure that I'm running, at least before I go and preach this message. God, so I just, and I'm thinking of people's faces are popping in front of me and I go, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Old aunties, that were mean. Forgive them, forgive them. You know, I'm going through this. Forgive them. They still owe me money. I let it go. Nobody owes anything. Oh, none of you owes you anything. I'm totally free, God. I just worship you that I'm free and I'm running in life. God, I just praise you and I worship you that I can just live free like this. Nobody owes me anything. Everyone's forgiven. <laughs> you know what it's like? Never do this with God. <laughs> and out of nowhere, and this happened in like an eighth of a second, this picture popped into my head of a stupid real estate decision I made that put us back a number of years. And it went immediately into my head and immediately out of my mouth. This happened in an eighth of a second in between, God, you're amazing. Nobody owes me a thing. You're so generous and fabulous to me. Out of my mouth came, where were you on that one, big fella? (laughs) Out of the overflow of the heart. And I was like, I couldn't believe I said it, but since it was already out there, I carried on. It's like, because you kind of know everything, right? You know everything. You know things that are going to happen. You know things in the past. You could have given us a bit of a heads up. And then I was right into it. Where were you? You could have just given us a little tap on the shoulder and say, maybe don't do that. That's going to set you back years. That's a stupid decision to make. I mean, God, it's not as if I'm not praying. I'm listening. I'm here. I'm listening. Nothing. Nothing. 
do a stupid mistake, go back here. It's just like, God, where were you? It's like, well, and then I'm crying. Like, oh, what, do you hate me? I'm going low. Do you hate me? Well, if I can't trust you with that, how can I trust you for healing or anything? I can't trust you for anything now. You're, where are you? I can't do anything. Crazy. Crazy. It was like a fight for answers. And I never knew I had this fight for answers that was deep in the side, inside. I never knew it was there and it came out. It wasn't so much the thing. It was why the thing. You know what I mean? Why? Where the hurt of it, the question. And I'm fighting for answers still to like, if I can get an answer, then I can run again and I can take off. Where were you on that, God? Where were you? And God spoke to me and He gave me a Scripture. And I'm crying in the car, where are you, God? I can't trust you for anything anymore. And God gave me a Scripture and He said, I'll give you beauty for ashes. And, and, and I kind of said, that's a lady Scripture, God. It doesn't do anything. It's just, it's a nice thing to say. Oh, God. I cried like a Joyce Meyer book. I'm crying and crying. Mad at God. Oh, beauty for ashes. And then I'm, you know, I sucked up the snot and wiped my ears. Wiped my ears, wiped my eyes. And I uh, <laughs> should have done that too. And I, um, I looked up the Scripture. Isaiah 61 says this. I'll appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Wow, beautiful. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Beauty for ashes. I like to study things and ashes basically means something went through the fire and it didn't make it. <laughs> I can't help but keep laughing. It didn't. It didn't make it. I don't know if that's for somebody. It didn't make it. <laughs> and honestly, it's like we walk around with these urns, this urn of ashes. And people going, you know, how's, it, how's the career going? Oh, good, you know, still pretty good. Things are good, busy, I'm doing a lot. <laughs> how's the relationship? Yeah, it's great. We're getting on great. <laughs> and other people are like, Ugh. Looks good, whatever. It didn't make it. <laughs> it didn't make it. It's just ashes. Beauty. Wow. Beauty means an adornment, a crown, a headpiece, or a bonnet. That's what the original word means. <sighs> I immediately thought of beautiful mind. Oh, I give you a beautiful mind. How about I give you a beautiful mind for those ashes? I started to think about my own life and I, I, was, I was thinking, I'm sitting there, I'm still bawling, looking at this. Not a beautiful mind, I thought. I remember when I first came to Australia and I'd go to DY Headland and pray and I'd look at the sun hit the water and I'd always say the same thing. The same thing always. I'd always say to God, thank you for bringing me to such a beautiful place. And I stopped doing it. And it wasn't because it was less beautiful. I just couldn't see it anymore. I'd got to a stage where my, 
my head had gone from technicolor to black and white and I couldn't see anything beautiful and I couldn't see anything exciting in life. And people would tell me about their life and I was totally uninterested because I, there was no spark. Ah, it's like the spark had gone. It was like the fire had gone. It was like the beauty had gone. I mean, I remember Selena bought a little puppy, Teddy the Cavoodle, cute as a button. And in my head, the first thing is like, he's gonna wee on the floor, <laughs> which is true. But there was just no excitement, there was no life. There was no beauty in it anymore. I'll give you beauty for ashes. It was almost like I think of scales of injustice. There was an injustice that had been done to me and it was like, think of a set of old scales and on this side, there's this giant urn of ashes gone gonk and it had weighted up that end and nothing that got put on this other side. No promise of the future, no great thing that my family was doing, no home. Nothing could outweigh the weight of these ashes on the other side and bring it back up. I couldn't even, I'd read the Word of God and it still couldn't lift it up. It weighed so heavy on my life. God said that to me and I'm like, oh, but I want answers, God. That's all very good and well, beauty for ashes. Where were you on that, God? Where were you? And God said to me this, He spoke to me again. He said to me, I can't give you all the answers. But if you give me your ashes, you'll run again. It's crazy, right? Because I thought that the answers would set me free. <laughs> it's like Paul, I got a thorn in my side. I got something that's messing my life up. God said, and he's like, take it, do it. What's the reason? What? God said, here's my answer, grace. And it was like my fight for answers hit His gift of grace and it just went It's like you can have your fight for answers, my friend, or you can take the grace. The way I saw it, I saw somebody, I saw it this morning as I was walking back across after the 8.30 service, I saw swinging on monkey bars like a kid and one hand was still on this bar. That was the fight for answers of what could have been. And this hand was on grace and I was holding them both at the same time. Ah, 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 why? Where were you on that? Where? What could have been? There's one thing I do. Paul says, there's one thing I do. Forgetting what could have been. <laughs> Let go of that. And just swing it into grace. Oh God, if I do that, does that mean, does that mean I'm naive? Am I being naive just swinging on grace? Am I being stupid? Other people will see me swinging just on grace. Go, Don't you realise what you've been through? Don't you realise what could have been in your life? I realised this. Somebody said to me a long time ago, what do you say in your 20s? You're worried about what people think about you. In your 30s, you don't care what people think about you. When you get to your 40s, you realise people aren't thinking about you at all. So, it's true, nobody cares. And so, you're swinging on grace. Totally let go, ah, of what could have been. There's one thing I do. It's like they all gathered around Paul and they said, what's your secret to success? And he said, oh, you know, because they said, nothing holds you down. You've always got a smile on your face. You're 65 in a jail, rotten in a jail, smile on your face. He said, oh, nothing. Oh, actually, there is one thing I do. There is one thing I do. Forgetting <laughs> what's behind. Forgetting what could have been. 
I press on to what still could be. The reason sometimes we don't wanna let go of what could have been is we don't actually believe that there's something better today. There's something better tomorrow. I still know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He's not stupid. I still know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans still to prosper you and plans still not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So God says this to me, He said, I can't give you all the answers. But if you give me your ashes, you'll run again. Jamie, has me. You can almost see it in the Spirit. I'm standing with a massive jar of ashes going, why can't I run, Lord? I need answers. And God's like, you're carrying a massive urn. It's like, no, it's not this. It must be something else. God's like, you're carrying a ginormous urn. No, Lord. Do you want me to give more? You're carrying a ginormous urn. Lord, I just worship you. You're carrying an urn. You're carrying a ginormous urn of ashes. That's why you can't run. But why, Lord, am I taking the wrong step? Just give me the ashes. Just give me the ashes. What could it be? Forget it. What could still be? Tomorrow's brighter. Your heart's full of hope. All things work together for good. God then finished on this. I can't give you all the answers, but if you give me your ashes, you'll run again. Then he finished, he said this to me. He said, because you weren't made to know all the answers. You were made to run. God, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? God, you just simplified my life. It's gotta be like this. God's like, nah. I've heard Pastor Phil say that when you get with God, He doesn't give you a map, He gives you a sail. <sighs> How about you get that map that you've been so fastidious about? We're supposed to go here now, now we're supposed to go here right now. That's ripped. All right, no, I hate it, I rip it up. We'll sell it, tape it back up again, now I'm back on. <laughs> How about we chuck the map today and just hoist a sail of faith instead? God, forget him, what could have been, I'm over. I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm just gonna put up that sail of hope, that sail of faith. Father, I'm just gonna take your hand instead and let's run through a field. And let's not stop. Let's see how far we can run, Lord. He's like, yeah, I'm up for that. Let's just pray. Close your eyes where we are. Father, I thank You this morning. We were made to know the answers. <laughs> made to let go of that fight. And we're built to run, born to run. Who would have thought? Cast aside the way, just run. Run with me. They'll think I'm foolish. They'll think I'm naive, God. I'm not an idiot. Let go. Take grace. It's sufficient, more than enough. Hey everyone, what a joy it is to bring the Word of God to so many people all around the world every week. And I just love technology for that reason that we're able to broadcast through television, through podcasts, through social media, and to bring Jesus into people's worlds in all kinds of ways. Obviously, there are costs to that. There are uh, expenses in reaching out and accomplishing this preaching of the Gospel. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, how shall I go unless somebody send them? And he's talking about the beautifulness of, of the preaching of the Gospel, how it brings peace and joy into people's worlds. And so the people who are sending us into other people's worlds is you. 
and the people of our congregations. And I'd love you to join with them and with us as partners, sending the gospel throughout all the world through all these means that God has put in our hands. And as we partner together, I know that there will be thousands of people in heaven for eternity because of our efforts together. God has called us to do this and we depend on people to send us and support us in taking the Gospel to the world. I wanna say thank you for standing with us and believing God. I'm praying and asking God to touch you and to bless your seed that you sow so that you'll experience an incredible harvest in your lives in Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. Hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at C3 Oxford Falls.